answer always comes back to you have to start with an all in on transparency, which is uncomfortable, but it forces us to get better. This is the UPS Supply Chain Solutions Podcast. We help you become a more informed and educated supply chain professional so you can move the world forward by delivering what matters. Welcome to the UPS Supply Chain Solutions Podcast. I'm Alex Fuller. And I'm Anna Grant. And today we're talking about the elephant in the supply chain. The elephant in the supply chain. What's that, Alex? Oh, man. I, you, you caught me off guard there. I thought you knew. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so it's a name of a, a white paper that today's guest was interviewed for. Uh, it's also a metaphor for zooming out and seeing the bigger picture in the supply chain rather than just focusing on one part of the time. So, you know, and that could be hard sometimes. So we're talking about the digital end-to-end supply chain and how everything connects and works together to keep goods flowing globally. Yeah, that's a very interesting topic. And I'm excited to zoom out and look at the bigger picture because I think oftentimes we drill into the details and we see our own area of responsibility or, or the the one thing that's not working. But But if you zoom out, and you see the bigger picture, you can really create some more synergies and, and optimize. And, and I'm sure Eric will tell us more. So today's guest, uh, would you like to introduce No, go him? for it, by all means. All right. So we have Eric Dolan, who is the Vice President, Data and Innovation at, at UPS Supply Chain Solutions. And um, as you mentioned, he contributed to this white paper that you can find on ups.com slash supply chain. It's, it's a pretty interesting read. There's some research that went into that to understand how customers see the end-to-end supply chain. So let's bring Eric on and, and hear more about it. I'm excited. Let's do it. Now, before we get started, I want to talk about a promo code you can use on the Supply Chain Solutions website. Are you excited about this, Anna? I'm so excited. All right, what, what is the code? What are the, for the folks? The promo code is? Hashtag podcast. Hashtag podcast. So actually, you put the hashtag sign in the promo code field, hashtag podcast, and that will get you a discount off of an air freight shipment. Absolutely. And the, the offer is available for a limited time only and terms and conditions apply. So better take use of it before it's too late. But hey, this is awesome. You go on there, you have an air freight shipment, just because you're a loyal listener, we'll give you some discount. Again, hashtag podcast, and that's at ups.com slash supply chain. Eric Dolan, welcome to the UPS Supply Chain Solutions podcast. Oh, thanks for having me on, Alex and Anna. Glad to be here. Awesome. Eric, thank you very, very much for coming. We're, we're excited to talk about elephants, apparently. Uh, but no, talk about the digital end-to-end supply chain. But before we jump into that, uh, I just wanted to get a little bit of your background. Where are you from? What's your career been like? And how did you end up working in this role? Okay, uh, I'll try and give you the uh, shortened version. But as to where I'm from, uh lived 13 different places by the time I was 20. So that's a hard one to answer. But I was wow. born in Maryland, wow. lived in Japan, in a number of other parts of the U.S., uh, ended up here in Atlanta as a naval officer getting my master's degree after graduating from Notre Dame. And while I was getting my master's here, I got hired by UPS. A subsidiary UPS at the time was called Worldwide Dedicated Services. It doesn't exist anymore, uh, but it was a dedicated fleet contract carriage company that worked with UPS truck leasing. And I was an IT supervisor to start. And oh, wow. this was a while ago. 
say the least. But then I moved on from that into other roles, into including I was the head of IT for our transportation division, which was a half billion dollar company at the time, just as we hit 2000, helped launch our STL business in the early 2000s. From an IT perspective, also was head of IT for healthcare when we launched our order the cash with SAP. That was moving into about 2009-2010. Got into fulfillment with warehousing and distribution, including our push into using software as a service platforms. Ended up the VP of IT for Global Logistics, which is one of our companies within UPS Supply Chain Solutions. Did that for a while, including a push on Agile and in software as a service platforms. Uh, wanted to focus more on business outcomes and how could we push beyond the technical. And so I moved into a VP of strategy, marketing, and product development role at Global Logistics, where we first launched Symphony, which is our end-to-end global supply chain platform, and then took on my current role, I guess it's coming up on two years, as the VP of data and innovation for SDS with kind of a, a mandate to help push change with the use of both data and digital platforms. Awesome. That's very cool. We could do a whole another episode talking about all your roles in the countries you've lived in or different places. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to catch up on Japan later. Yeah. I, I love it there. Yeah. So I guess just to start off, we talk about the digital end-to-end supply chain. What does that mean? Like, what is that and what, what's its role in uh, the modern supply chain? Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. To a- answer that, I'll kind of break it into two parts. One is, what is it? And then kind of the role. So First off, end to end, we're not talking just like warehouse to last mile uh, to like get you a product to your house. We're talking the full supply chain. So Mm -hmm. whether that suppliers you're buying product from or manufacturing through, um, which is often then you have air, ocean, customs into an inventory network. You have an inventory network that then does outbound fulfillment, whether it's B2C or B2B across all modes of transportation and including redistribution of inventory. So that whole piece, including some returns and reverse models, is what I would call the end-to-end supply chain. And the other question, though, is digital, right? So what makes it digital? There's really three key pieces of that to me. There's data, right? If you don't have the data, you can't do anything. But you have to have the data on all the pieces. Then you integrate the processes, which many companies do not do, (laughs) uh, because it's hard. Yeah. And you also integrate the visibility using that as data and processes to the people that need to work on it. So everybody looking at the same thing, the same way so that they can action it. And it needs to be shared, right? It can't just be one person looking at it like you do with an analytics package. And that ultimately leads to hopefully experienced people using that to make better decisions. And then, sorry. Yeah, no, no, I I mean, so... To, to me, it's just to, to play back what I heard. It's not just within you know my company and my customer, but it's potentially several layers deep. And then there's a the digital side along it. So it's not just the physical product, but it's the information that flows along with that. Back the, the information and the goods, I'd say. Yeah, almost back to UPS used to talk a lot about. You know, it was always about the package, the information, and the funds that mm-hmm. go with things in the supply chain from the beginning of its life cycle to the end of the product life cycle. Gotcha. So then how does that, it makes sense. I'm like, hey, I'm on board. How, how is that becoming important to companies today? So, you know, we, we have a lot of companies that are, are really focusing on that. Now, I'll, I'll start really with the role it plays and things, then why the importance. So on the role side, it's really about improved outcomes and that the better decision making needed for that. So again, the process data and analytics that come from it help with that. We, we have different studies we've looked at, including Gartner, talk about, you know, you get 
200% better decision-making from having integrated process data and analytics in the supply chain. And it avoid ultimately two things like a lack of ability to get your inventory where it needs to be to sell. Like if you're a retailer, right, trying to get the product positioned in the right place where the demand is in order to get those sales. We saw many times over the last few years the difficulty of that. So it's not anymore just about it being cheap, right? What it costs to move the good, but actually having the good in the right place for the right return is really more outcome. So that role of driving outcomes and then rather than pieces is really the key. And so if I go back a little bit to why kind of the why it's important to these companies, there's also the kind of why now question, because this capability is always had value. But why now? Personally, I look back to the Suez Canal issue, you know, so pre-COVID, people often say, hey, COVID, right? Pre-COVID, right? We had the great example of a a large ocean freighter turning sideways in the Suez Canal and shutting it down for days on end and increasing times of getting product to market. Then, of course, COVID had about every disruption we could think of in it. You get geopolitical issues with Ukraine. You've got China, including some of the issues they've had, they had with lockdowns. Those are all things we all experienced and people can say sometimes is, oh, are we past that or are we going back? Well, there's two other things that are in this mix too, though, in my mind, it's tech, right? Prior to say Suez, we didn't have all the data. We didn't have our processes connected. The tech wasn't cheap and people didn't know how to use it. And then it's the competitive change. So as companies work to compete across geographies, work to fight for rare resources, whether that's capacity like on ocean for a time or it's air or it's ground or it's product, that competitive change rate increased. So those combination, right, of a lot more disruptions coming frequently, but then also the ability for people to act faster and their competition is forces companies to really look at this hard. And when we look at why it's important beyond the now, I kind of looked through it a few lenses. At UPS, we looked at it like with the white paper you mentioned, the elephant in the supply chain. It was that move from companies focused on procuring each segment of supply chain for maximum cost reduction, period, right? Give me capacity for air, give me capacity for ocean, give me capacity for parcel or ground movement, all bid out separately, you know, with the assumption being if each piece of the chain is optimized for cost and service will be good. And the last few years have proven that wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, you got a great rate. You can't get capacity. So it doesn't matter what your rate is, right? And also having capacity at one link doesn't mean the next one does. So really looking holistically of how you pull that inventory from supplier and manufacturing through your network of storage into end consumption became critical for companies to meet their numbers. Matter of fact, during I remember during COVID, there was a key company that was in the news that talked about its inventory carrying costs were up almost 200, $250 million annually just to pre-stock what they could. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you saw at the end of last year coming into this year, we had the opposite problem, which was everyone had more inventory in place than they needed. And now they're trying to unwind that and they're carrying high cost versus low demand. Yeah. Yeah. So like. Going cheap with the transportation ultimately ends up costing you millions of dollars potentially in inventory carrying costs. Well, and, and yeah, I can minimize my logistics budget, but lost sales cost a lot too. Yeah, so it's a it's a opportunity cost. It's a balance, and, and I, I guess going back a little bit to what you said about the competitive change and the change in technology, 
you know, it, it feels this isn't true, but it almost feels like you could be a little lazy in the past where it's like, hey, we'll do our best. We'll try to get stuff there on, you know, as best we can. And, you know, it, it'll work out. Whereas now the competitive landscape and the technology allows you to be more precise and be more efficient that if you're not doing that, you're you're going to lose your competitors. Yeah. Right. And on that note, um, I know you mentioned it. it's kind of this change or shift has happened in just a few years. So I'm sure it's not an easy shift technologically and just changing your processes and changing your mindset of looking at your supply chain as a whole. So what does it really take to have that visibility across the entire supply chain? And what does that transition look like? So to, to do it effectively, if you will, is you really need to recognize the fact that you need to connect your underlying systems and data together first. That's just foundational, right? You can't, can't do anything without having the information. Uh, and that's a big challenge. It's, that's been a challenge for years. Uh, we've invested quite a bit at UPS to do it, understanding the need not only for us to operate across segments effectively, but that's what our customers need from us. But then it was, okay, I've connected it. What about the processes, right? Regardless of knowing what's on, say, your inbound air freight that's going to bump your dock at your warehouse, if the warehouse operations manager doesn't know it's coming and doesn't have the labor there to receive it, that product's not going to be available to fulfill orders this afternoon. So it's the sharing across processes, right? It's the process not within a single segment, but across them for an ultimate result and involving all providers. That's the other piece, right? For, for very long, the different providers in the supply chain didn't talk to each other because they were constantly competing. Mm -hmm. And now people have realized, hey, at the end of the day, the customer paid the bill and the customer needs us to work together to get a good result for them. If we can do that, we can all be effective and make money in this space. But when you can't or don't, you're not used. Uh, companies can lose volume and revenue real quick in the supply chain space. And then lastly, I would just say it's forming, you know, using the data, the systems and processes to really create those integrated solutions tailored to that customer. And ultimately, it's collaboration. Again, I couldn't emphasize that enough. And many times they'll say, okay, well, maybe competitors have to share data and share processes and talk more often. Yeah, but it's not just that. It's within the each company, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Each company internally has to be able to say, look, how do we go to market? How do we operate? How do we support our services end to end? Because regardless of talking to others and our customer about it, we can't do it. They can't do it. And, and that's for us. We did it through our integration platform, our kind of supply chain digital platform at Symphony to help pull together all our pieces but then also connect to the other providers and connect to the customer's logistics team so that they can collaboratively execute every day. And that's why orchestration comes up a lot. It's orchestrating that answer every day, day in and day out, and improving the sound, if you will, over time. Right. I love the name Symphony, first of all. I, I <laughs> yeah. think it's a, it's a great metaphor for how it all works together. And I, it sounds like the, the technology piece or the digital piece is kind of the foundation because once you have that visibility, then you're able to work on the actual change management in your process, which might even be the harder piece, right? But without that visibility, you, you really don't even know where to start. Well, I think Eric brings up a good point where, you know, sometimes you have people with their little kingdoms of, you know, hey, here here's my responsibility. Here's my data. And, you know, and it's not, hostile most of the time but it's like hey here here's my dominion 
And it's hard to, even within the same company, it's hard to, you know, maybe get across that because, you know, there's worry about, hey, am I responsible for something that I don't have to, you know, so at first get everyone across the company talking and, you know, on the same system, same source, well, one source of truth, but then going beyond your own company and bringing the rather, I mean, I see the possibilities, but I think that is a lot of change management, a lot of, you know, soft people skills of, hey, we're not going to, we're not going to grill you on something if you share your data with us and just having that collaborative partnership kind of uh, atmosphere in the search of, hey, we can prove things overall with all the, with all the right data. And, and Alex, just a comment on that, because in our journey in the last couple of years, particularly, I've seen that play out time and time again, right? There's a natural hesitancy to say, oh, wait, I'm not sure our ETA information is good. I don't want my customer to see it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, we really did move all the product uh, that was outbound onto the dock for pickup in time, but we haven't updated the system. I don't know if I want to show my customer that. Mm-hmm. And the answer always comes back to you have to start with an all in on transparency, which is uncomfortable, Yeah. but it forces us to get better, right? Like, Hey, I didn't close out my outbound distribution orders at the end of the day. And guess what? My customer couldn't recognize the revenue. So they're upset today. Guess what? Tomorrow we're not doing that. And then tomorrow we're better. And then guess what? The next customer and operation we do automatically does that. So you, you have to start that journey, but it starts with the journey with being uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah, you have to learn from the mistakes, and that can be painful at times. Sounds like it could turn into yeah. a marriage counseling podcast. So, <laughs> um, okay, so uh, I I'm I'm I can geek out about uh, a lot of the new technology coming onto the the playboard now. So we got we got Internet of Things, we got AI, we got all these advanced analytics. ChatGPT is my new best friend. All that stuff. How does that play a role? Do you see in supply chains in in the near future? Uh, for an end-to-end supply chain visibility process. So, and that is a key piece, and depending on which part of the supply chain you're in, like IoT is huge for us, by the way, in healthcare, with mm-hmm. temperature monitoring, yeah. which we do end-to-end, and, and we show that in our Symphony product back to our customers. But w- I really start with IoT and services like that really giving us an exponential increase in data and connected devices, right? Before you... You had a decent amount of data on what ultimately happened. Now we have a depth of data and a breadth of data we've never seen before because mm-hmm. we have so many things collecting data in a more timely manner. So that just creates this giant ocean of data. But the key things that have helped drive for us in that and in supply chain and processes is I'll call it shrinking time between events in our awareness, right? Where before it might have been, hey, my carrier told me that they picked it up late. Versus, hey, I knew a minute ago that the product hadn't been picked up, and uh, now I know immediately they picked it up and it's late. But I can calculate an ETA now. Previously, they'd communicate 30 minutes from now. I'm 30 minutes ahead of the game now, right? So that awareness in in shrinking that is one. And then the other thing is the depth of data, right? We get a thoroughness of data that allows us to make a better decision quicker, right? And so those two things is that time horizon to decision-making and then the quality of the decision-making from data. That's to me what IoT helps the most. Mm-hmm. When you get into AI and machine learning, the rest, that becomes learning from that, right? Mm-hmm. To say, yeah. oh, when I had these this profile with this event happen, we did this and got this outcome. We could do this. Let's do it, learn from that, and keep refining the model. Normally, the human, if you will, purely manual cycle of doing that is extremely slow because it takes time. 
when you get your technology to accelerate that, you learn much quicker and you sharpen up your processes in a much more timely manner and with better overall outcomes. So to me, that's the key. It's about speed and better outcomes. For Internet of Things, I think about the uh, air tags or whatever you can put in your your luggage and you probably know where your your baggage is better than some of the airlines sometimes. And so it's, I mean, that's a funny, you know, side example and not to pick on the airlines, but it, it is like, hey, this is the way we're going where in the not too near future, and especially now with healthcare shipments, you can track right where they are all the time and, yeah. you know, adjust accordingly. And reduce a ton of time when people don't have to manually scan. Like it, it, it seems like such a small Simple innovation, but it really can reduce a lot of time in the operation when they don't have to go and scan every shipment. Well, and Eric, what you're talking yeah. about the the speed to response. So, say we have a an important medicine that has to be kept cool, rather than waiting till it's delivered and be like, "Oh shoot, this spoiled." We could know, hey, it's mid flight, something happened, it it went over. Let's hurry and get another one in route, so that you know, r- rather than wait till we find. I don't know. It, it just it, more options because yeah. you know it sooner. Exactly. When you know you had that deviation that broke your policy anyways, why are you waiting on that product? You're looking to your alternate substitution methods, right, for other product while it's still in motion. Yeah. Yeah, it becomes much more strategic in that way. Well, I feel like we've touched on some of the benefits of end-to-end solutions, but I love hearing real-life examples of any customer stories that you have. So I was wondering if you could share any, any customers, how they've potentially implemented an end-to-end supply chain solution and how has that helped them in practice? Sure. So I'm not going to name a specific customer name, but I'll give you a profile that give you an idea of who I'm talking about. And just to lead into this, I thought it was interesting when we were getting ready to talk about this. So Gartner had done a recent top trends in strategic supply chain tech recently, and they talked about integrated end-to-end supply chain processes observed a 20% increase in their efficiency. And when I went to look at some of our customer success stories that we had done and worked with, I had a example that's exactly 20%. So I thought I'd bring that one up. Um, Just a weird coincidence. Gartner's been listening in on our calls, I bet. You know, maybe we do talk to them regularly. So we had an outdoor sporting goods retailer and they were able to reduce their lead times on orders by 20%. Exactly. And decrease their inventory levels accordingly. And they're, they're on Symphony. They're connected on inbound transportation, multiple DCs for their inventory, and outbound fulfillment to both B2C and B2B sales, and included managed transportation across the mode. So that was an example of them using that to coordinate it in, keep less amounts of inventory, react faster on additional order needs because they're always clued into what was occurring. And then I had another one was a healthcare customer in the diagnostics business. They asked for a customized interactive dashboard to use for, and this is to the orchestration theme, it was collaboratively managing between their team, UPS, and other providers. So we had a combined team, if you will, looking at performance metrics and analyzing their pickups and deliveries on their diagnostic timeline to improve who they were using, when they were using, and the ultimate service to home. And it was, you know, delivery to home diagnostics. So multiple providers, coordinated execution with an improved outcome. So those, those are the top two I kind of think of when when we uh, talk about examples of benefits. I want to jump in with just a, a hypothesis I have. And I want to see if I'm, I'm close or not. So back when I worked at a really small company, you know, we, we tracked everything on a whiteboard and we had little magnets for the ocean containers that were coming over. And we just we had our whiteboard of 
of truth that uh, we tracked everything, you know, and it wasn't a lot. It was a, you know, a container or two a week, not a big deal. I feel like obviously large, really large companies, this makes a ton of sense where, you know, hey, they have thousands of containers coming in constantly. They need a big system to track everything. And then insights, I'm trying to figure out where's, at what point is it worth the switch? Like As you grow as a company, when does it make sense to make that, this investment? And it, it seems like, you know, once, you know, once it's a little bit more complicated than I can use my fingers and toes on, there might be value in some kind of ended visibility. I, I don't know. Is that the right thinking, Eric? I, I think so. Yeah. And it, it's interesting. We, in some ways, we've had customers that are relatively small customers, small logistics spend that is attractive to what we're trying to do in a connected manner. And it's mainly because Usually they don't have a huge spend, but they also don't have a lot of technology systems to leverage. So they're mm-hmm. suddenly in this position of I'd have to invest in, say, a managed trans system, work with a digital forwarder, you know, have my own inventory system, or I could use what these guys have as long as they're willing to connect to everybody I'm working with. So that's our approach, if you will, that you're small and hopefully you grow. Our, our mid-size to kind of uh, almost enterprise size spends, for them, it's often... I spend a lot in a few key areas, but I could get additional value if I can flex into other modes as needed, right? So it's, it's the flexibility tends to, to play well for it. Um, also, I, I like to always come back to expertise. So we talked quite a bit about data and process and connected digital experience and the analytics that could help with decision-making. The thing I've heard from a lot of customers, particularly over the last year, is, hey, I have a demand from my board that we're going to double our output, say, in North America in the next 18 months. Mm-hmm. And I have a three-person logistics team. <laughs> and right. I can't find enough people, yeah. right? And it's like, well, also, you know, it's hard to find the experienced logistics team. For the experienced people you can find, the challenge is, I know how to do it the old way, mm. not the yeah. new way, yeah. right? And lastly, it's often, I can't bring, find the people with both the tech and the business process and experience. So, that's where I find the the other part of orchestration collaborative is helping people get the data they need to do it, helping smaller teams manage more. That's, that's a big sell, right? But then also have access to expertise because the people you're working with are not only seeing the same information you are, but can connect you with the teams that have experience doing it a hundred different ways, not just one. Yeah. So Eric did not promise that if you use Symphony, your sales will double. But no. it is a possibility. <laughs> but, no, but but if you know if you're that kind of ambitious growth or that trajectory, rather than doubling or tripling your team, it might be worth looking at. Hey, what what partners could I bring in to to help instead of adding so much headcount? Yeah, I think I think it makes a lot of sense because it's not just adding the logistics people; it's also potentially a whole IT t- department to be able to make the digital integrations right. So, why not use a partner who's already made that investment and built that for you? And can advise you along the way. Okay, so we talked a little bit about the real-world example. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about how tools like Symfony or this end-to-end integration uh, can help decision-makers make better decisions. How do companies leverage this data that's available to them to improve their supply chain performance? Yeah, so in general, I'll, I'll say there, there's kind of two ways to this, right? And, and depending on the customer we're talking to, we have some customers who say, I want a better digital and data toolkit to be better at, say, managing my inbound transportation or my outbound fulfillment to customers. And so that's often about 
give me more data, make it more accurate, make it more timely, and then give me my KPI and analytic package that'll help me understand what's happening and make better decisions on improving it as we go. That's, that's kind of the first one, I'd say. The other piece is more strategic. It, it's the ones that recognize I I got to stop making decisions just say on my inbound choices, right? Mm-hmm. Now I'm looking up through to say, hey, before I issue POs to my suppliers to pull product into my network to position it for, say, peak that's coming up, I need to have a better feel of where the demand is. And then I'm going to change the number of POs and who I send them and how I track them because now I can't just know what I have in my warehouses and what I've purchased that I will get sometime in the next 90 days. Instead, I bought, I have less in my standing warehouse and I've bought specifically from specific suppliers with demand on timing, right? Mm -hmm. And now I need to know that I gave this supplier a PO. I know what product inbound in its status and know when it's going to hit. And I can forecast my inventory levels in my facilities across my network and tie my future sales pushes to that. So I'd say it's those two, right? It's how do I improve on each segment of it and maximize that? But then more and more is how do I improve my overall results of the supply chain? And that's to where in the future, too, we're going more and more to how about adding consumption market data, mm. your data? How about benchmarking your pull through against others and say retail? Not by name, but it's very easy for us to say, hey, compared to the top 100 that are doing what you're doing, here's where you stand. And here's yeah. where you could look at maybe improving. That That's what I get really excited about is UPS plays a unique role where we see lots of customers and we have lots of information. We're very serious about keeping that confidential. But could you aggregate it all and say, hey, here's some best practices. We see that, you know, sales in Illinois do really, really well during this time, or, you know, like just are there insights that we could give folks that would be, you know, helpful, uh, aggregated, you know, insights. That, that's what I'm really excited about. So that's yeah. really cool. Yep. That that's something we're thinking about. So I, I keep going back to, you know, supply chain is is a people business. Um, it's about relationships, uh, collaboration, partnerships. They're, they're very crucial components of supply chains and, and even more so the end-to-end digital supply chain. So is there an example of collaborating among stakeholders, how that improved uh, supply chain and, and outcomes related to this. Yeah, and I've got one for this. It was actually one of our first customers on our Symphony platform. What really struck me about this is we were rolling it out with them just to share a bit. It was a relatively new product, mm-hmm. and we spent a decent amount of time when we started with them telling us how the product could be better. I, you know, I don't love your data. I don't love your di- interface, this, this, mm-hmm. and this. After about six months, we had all that tuned out. You know, all of it was straight. It was good. And they said, I remember getting on a meeting with them and they gave us a thumbs up and they're like, tech's good. Love it. Now, here's my problem. My problem's with my suppliers in Asia. So in a way, once the tech and data and flows were the way they needed to be, they realized where the source of their problem was. And, and they really had a supplier management compliance problem of, I can't tell what's going to hit my network when. Mm. They were a... Just to give you an idea, they were a luxury retail goods uh, to consumer uh, flow from Asia into North America. Mm-hmm. And they basically said, listen, I, I, I need help here. You, you've helped me connect the POs to the ocean through the customs, the drayage, the ground movement into my network. And I'm able to see what's happening, but I'm also able to see the disparity in results. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So they came to us and said, hey, can you get on with us and work with our suppliers? We got 17 in Asia. I want the UPS team with us with the data 
with our supplier, talking through what we're seeing. In a way, they were benchmarking each supplier against each other, where in many cases, the supplier didn't know what our customer was seeing, right? They're just saying, hey, it's just another PO. It's just another order. Yeah. These went out good. These weren't didn't. But I don't know the end result because I'm kind of just throwing it out into the dark from, mm-hmm. from their end. And so by bringing that collaboration together, but tied with actual data, they're able to improve their inbound program. Yeah. yeah. I, it's like a built-in supplier scorecard, like yeah. a live supplier. Yeah, that's fantastic. I like that. It, it helps keep your providers accountable, but then also your internal locations, as well as your tier two, tier three suppliers potentially, right? And just a, a comment on it too, Alex, particularly when you saying it being a people business, as you know, everybody wants to do a good job, right? And what you want to avoid is being in the opinion business in supply chain. You want to be data-driven, right? Because one, it becomes less personal. It's just, hey, we're all looking at the same numbers. This is what we're seeing. Now, what can we do to make these numbers better? And then next week, do they look better? And Mm -hmm. what do we want to do next? Suddenly, you're a team working on the problem rather than you're someone, you know, trying to defend your result. You know, so I think that helped too with people being more collaborative because the approach driven by data. Yeah. Yeah. Data person, not opinions. I, I, the, the it's like the good quote in God we trust all others bring data so absolutely <laughs> yeah. <all. laughs> yeah and I'm sure the visibility to data not only helps you monitor your suppliers and, and your other stakeholders but also potentially identify other disruptions or market fluctuations so I wondered if you had any examples or stories about how companies has, have been able to minimize those type of disruptions or uncertainties in their supply chain you know, in general, I'll, I'll say we've had some flavor of that with almost everybody at some point. And that's partly just because of the way the nature of the market's been, say, the last 18, 24 months. You know, at one time it was capacity couldn't be found. At another one, the rates were too high. And then it was the rates are really low. But, um, you know, people are starting to actually pull capacity out of the market. And a storage is very high. The warehousing was real high. Labor was really high. So, There was a mix of disruptions about everybody ran into. And what we often talk to them about is just first, hey, to to manage it, you got to see it. And then you have to be collaborative about it. So don't just let the data be on a website somewhere. Get on, you know, a joint call and look at it at the same time and make some decisions, which the best companies we've seen do that. They, they immediately do that. We, they notice a trend. They get the full team on. They look at the same information, not trade separate reports. And then they act upon it. Um, and whether that's mode shift, you know, it could be, hey, I, I got something moving, you know, on the ground. You know, it's maybe multi-stop truckload and I'm going to pull it off that and do an air freight movement coast to coast to make sure we meet our commitment to our end customer. That's key. So that that's what I would probably say is that collaborative jump in it now, work together, share the data is where we've seen the best results. And that includes, by the way, that's port disruptions, right? Everyone knew about, you know, Southern California port disruptions, people yeah. pivoting into Savannah and, and Houston, Galveston and, and East Coast type ports to get around that. Now the strike's over and you got to consider whether you move your product back to the West Coast ports, but you want diversification in case you see a disruption again. So it's a constant thing in supply chain now, but that's what makes it interesting, right? Is the need for that connected, collaborative, data-driven report is as high as ever, and it's never going to stop, I think. 
Yeah, I think it's only going to get more and more important. And right now it's a competitive advantage, but soon it's going to just become a, a market qualifier. You got to have it to play yeah. the game. So so I, I have a lot of friends, supply chain professionals, excited about this stuff. You know, th- this is their jam. They're like, yes, this is the future. I see it. I wish it was today. I know it's coming. End-to-end supply chain, digital solutions, visibility across the whole thing. So they're eager to learn more. Obviously, I'm going to say, hey, go read the white paper on ups.com slash supply chain, the elephant in the supply chain. What else do you recommend those excited about this? How can they they learn more? Yeah, I, I would say definitely, too, is it is here. It's just in that early stages, right? Mm-hmm. So you got pockets of it, but be well aware everybody's going after this right now mm-hmm. in the market. So. You need to be in that. If you're like, hey, when it fully flexes out, if we see if it has legs, I'll look into this in a year or two. You're way behind. Uh, so I, I point that out. Second is be a constant student, right? And you, they, you used to be able to be in supply chain. You know, if I went back, say, 20 years, you could say, hey, we're doing things the same way we were 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Now we change them every six months or faster, depending on the need. And that's just going to keep uh, changing at a high rate. So then, you know, don't forget data visibility process and replanning, you know, be more data driven and process driven in conjunction, do a piece before doing it all. This is the other thing I'd tell professionals. Stop. Don't say in a perfect world, we connect all 12 of these things and have all these people together. And, in, and once I've got that all in place, we'll start doing it. Mm, well, yeah. one, it's going to change by the time you get it in place. Second, you don't learn by talking about it. You mm, learn by yeah. doing the key part of this, almost back to that, the machine learning and, and data piece, right, is you do that as a person too, right? Jump in, do it for a piece of your supply chain with a set of customers. As you learn from it, the next one gets bit better and smarter and you adjust your tech, you adjust your process and you adjust how you make decisions. So get into it and be engaged. Yeah. I feel like that goes with how supply chains are evolving at a much faster pace these days, where for a few decades there, it seemed like things were kind of constant or slow moving, maybe. And now after the yeah. pandemic, it's all accelerating. Right, and, and I like what you said, Eric, if it, it's here. I mean, it's it's still being distributed. It's still being you know widely adopted, but it, it's not going away. It's here. So yeah. I guess on that point, you know, what is the outlook for digital supply chains? What, you know, it's here, but what do we expect for the next few years in this space? So, you know, we took a look at Statista uh, did a little study about global 4PL market. So that mm-hmm. was our closest, if you will, towards a connected solution. Right. Mm-hmm. So we took a look at that and the expected growth there is around eighty six billion dollars by 2027 from sixty three billion dollars. So so call it up about a third inside the course of the next four years. So oh, wow. significant increase in those connected services massive projected growth and it's an opportunity for either three pls to step up into that space mm-hmm. right or others will come in and do it for the customers and three pls will connect to them and do a piece of it so a lot of growth there i know gartner too was talking about you know a, a huge increase there including you know the need for decision making that improvement by 200 percent or more and a lot of investments including supply chain heads saying that uh, I want to say it was almost 80% supply chain leaders were investing in some form of this over the next year. Wow. I mean, the, That's a lot. if there's a space to watch, this is it, right? Yeah. This, yeah. This is where the, the focus and innovation and all the learnings from the last few years are all going to of, you know, hey, 
we we need this. This isn't a luxury. This is a a need to run our business. Yeah. And if you sleep on it, you might miss the train. Yeah. Eric, this has been a very enlightening discussion. I, I feel like I've learned a lot about digital supply chains. As we wrap this up, I wanted to see what would be your kind of last words of advice about this topic or in general for supply chain professionals out there. Okay. Two thoughts here. One is if it didn't come across before, it's just supply chain change rates have increased and it's going to stay that way. You know, don't, don't wait for them to come back down. That's just going to increase due to both the competitive dynamic and the tech side. Data and tech, just increasing your awareness, it, it's good and bad, right? It, you can find out you have challenges quicker, including with your customers, but those are also opportunities for improvement. So to stay positive, get into it and learn from it. And then another piece I'll say, which is very common in the industry is, hey, if we win this piece of business, then we'll go set these pieces up. Mm. Uh, a key to what we did with Symphony and a key to the future, I think, of the integrated digital supply chain networks is pre-connected and collaborating. So go connect in advance, which allows you to move much faster, be adaptive because your customer in the market is going to force it. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with it more. It's it's not wait till we win it and build it. It's build it because we need it just to be on the market, be able to play. So absolutely. Great advice. Thank you, Eric. Fantastic talking with you. If folks want to learn more, how, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Okay. I, I'd say, of course, uh, you can always go to UPS.com and then look for Supply Chain Solutions if you want to find out more about what we're doing. But also, you can reach out to me at erdolan at UPS.com. That's E-R-D-O-L-A-N at UPS.com. Or just look me up on LinkedIn. So just put in Eric Dolan, that's E-R-I-C-D-O-L-A-N, and look plus UPS and you'll find me. Awesome. Awesome. Eric, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, My pleasure. Thanks, guys. And that was Eric Dolan. That was fantastic. There's a lot of cool stuff there. Yeah, it's super interesting when you think about digital end-to-end supply chain. Like at first, I I was thinking about the digital component, but I think it was super interesting to hear how that really feeds into the entire operation and strategic decision-making and, and, and really all parts of an operating business, right? Yeah, and just going back several layers, like, hey, where's my suppliers at? Where are my suppliers of my suppliers at? If and when I can have all that data across the, I can make a lot better decisions and, you know, it might cost more here or there in isolation, but with all that visibility, I can make better decisions across the board and save money overall for everyone. So I think that's where the opportunities are. Absolutely. And some of those stats that he shared about how many decision makers are considering this, like that alone should tell you that it is now and it's only going to get more important. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's a big takeaway of so many supply chain leaders have seen, hey, if we had this in place, we could have handled COVID a lot better. We could have handled the the pandemic response a lot better. So we need to build this now. So when the next disruption comes, we're ready. Yeah, absolutely. And if there's anything we've learned is is that disruptions are just going to keep coming and the the pace of change is just going to accelerate. So you can't just wait for the next situation. You kind of have to be proactive in today's market. I definitely recommend uh, Eric Dolan's white paper. Yeah, uh, him, it's a good read. Uh, what's it called? The Elephant in the Supply Chain. And right. you can find it at ups.com slash supply chain. And go into the, the insights section. And, and that's where there's a ton of guides and white papers. If you like this topic, if you have requests for other topics, please let us know. You can go to ups.com slash SCS podcast. We'd love to get your feedback and love to hear from you. Absolutely. 
Thanks for listening and be sure to check out ups.com slash SCS podcast. That's the UPS forwarding hub where you can subscribe to email updates and book air and ocean freight shipments with discounts you can't get anywhere else. So again, that's ups.com slash SCS podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice. Recipient has sole responsibility for determining the usability of any information provided herein.